Hello and welcome to the Deceptively Athletic Podcast. I am Tony Romanello and with me as always is Mark Jakowski. Mark, where are you coming from today? Come from the hometown, Ooh. Pittsburgh. There you go. Nowhere, nowhere fancy. In the city week. for once? Nowhere fancy today. No, I'm going nowhere fancy. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also got Marshall Hartman from Madison, Wisconsin. Marshall, how are you today? I'm good. Good man, I'm good. Give it's us Monday. the uh, the weather sucks, update. But hey, uh, <laughs> it snowed for like 14 straight hours this weekend, which was great if you just want to watch Jeez. the NBA all weekend, which is what I end up doing. So that's fine. Okay. <laughs> how much how much snow do you guys have? Uh, so right now we only have like three or four inches. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, apparently, like just an hour, yeah, an hour north of us though, they got hammered. Like Green Bay, Green Bay got like 30 inches in April, oh which my like. God. Their previous their previous record for an April snowfall was like sixteen inches in the eighteen hundreds, and this just completely blew it out of the water. It's like yeah. six inches, crazy that's, man. That's ridiculous, and I would immediately be moving if I lived there. But oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, and we got Greg Stefanik from Seattle, Washington. Boss man, how you doing? Pretty good. Hanging yeah. in there. Yep. Yeah. Cool. 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 All right. Well, we are going to talk about the. First weekend of the NBA playoffs, um, all of the game ones. So, uh, do we want to start with the first game on Saturday, which was the Warriors and the Spurs? Uh, you guys got any takes from this game? Anything you took away from it? Reaction? Anything? Um, I want to start with Steve Kerr starting JaVale McGee and Andre Iguodala. Because, honestly, I never thought that Andre Guadalupe get moved into the starting lineup. I thought Steve Kerr was such, like, a pragmatist with his lineups that he would trust the system, start Quinn Cook, Zaza Pachulia, even if they only get, like, 12, 13 minutes a night, and go about his business until he's forced to adjust. But he came out and preemptively adjusted, which allowed the Warriors to really switch everything one through four, which was pretty huge for an offense with very limited ball handling. It says a lot of off-ball screens. And then JaVale McGee did a great job on LaMarcus Aldridge, which he's not a great he's not a great defender of centers, or actually just in general. But I feel like if you keep him locked in, like I think the easiest defense to play whenever you're big and athletic is like man-to-man defense and like a post defender. Like kind of like Carmelo Anthony against Derek Favors, like the Jazz tried to post favors up a lot, and it didn't work that well. Because, like, Melo is a bad defender, but he's a bad defender if you switch him onto a guard or make him defend in the pick and roll. Whereas, like, saying, hey, defend in the post, like, that's the easiest. That's the thing Melo is best at right now. Yeah. Whereas, similarly with JaVale McGee, I feel like if you just put him on, like, a guy who's not going to be cutting back doors, not going to be, like, a lob threat, who you don't have to, like, contain a ball handler and then recover onto them, he's kind of better there. I think that was pretty huge from them, and they just honestly stifled everything the Spurs wanted to do. And then having Andre Iguodala's passing in the starting lineup and JaVale as a lob threat really bolstered their offense, too. I just think it was a great move. Yeah. Gold grill, JaVale. All-timer, man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Marshall, you have any takes on this? Yeah, I, I, I'm 
really upset that I didn't pick a sweep. You know, <laughs> king of the game one overreaction here. But I mean, Golden State, like I'm not gonna say they're, they're the next gear or whatever because the Spurs roster has been depleted a while now. But definitely motivation wise, especially on the defensive end, they they completely locked down the Spurs. Um, it it really seemed like Sanjay was just trolling to create shots throughout the entire game um and if the Warriors keep up that effort moving forward I, I see it very hard for San Diego to win a game yeah I, I have a question though yeah. was was the flipping the switch thing was all right I get we all joked that like the Cavs aren't going to flip the switch because they can't magically turn into a great defense but mm-hmm. did anyone besides like Bill Simmons actually think that like the Warriors weren't gonna be fine defensively I mean they're a top five defense yeah. every year they're, they have great defensive personnel. They have a great defensive scheme. It's not like they have none of those things. They are an amazing defense season in and season out. And just because they didn't care so much in the regular season, we thought they were going to, what, mail it in the playoffs? Yeah, no, I was never I was never oh, no, honestly totally. concerned about Golden State's yeah. defense. Never. Uh, I'm just yeah, upset I picked number one in five games. I don't know what I, why I thought the Spurs would be able to steal uh, one. Because see, I... I I really with, I, once they playing this level defensively, I don't see Santos scoring to keep up with them. Like I, I don't see how they win a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I only I only gave the Spurs one game because Steph wasn't playing, so I just was like, oh, maybe they'll get one. Yeah, I Could thought be, maybe people. Hmm? People seem to be like really concerned with Steph being out, which I mean, he's very important, but like I still think they would beat anyone else other than Houston. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's not going to catch up. So, no, yeah. yeah. That's why I gave the Spurs one game. I wasn't, like, actually concerned yeah. about anything. But No, yeah. I think they'll, no, still, but like Steph, they'll still have a good Steph, chance to get one. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Steph hurts their offensive capabilities, but defensively, like, without him, they're still really good. Like like Mark said, like, they easily are a top-five defensive team whenever that talent is motivated and trying. And I don't know, like, I'm struggling to see outside of LaMarcus, like who's going to create offense for the Spurs at this point. Patty Mills will have to just ball out one game because, you know, the Rudy game. I love game. Manu. I love I love Tony, but like, I mean, I don't think that they're, they're too old, man. I don't think they can really like create enough offense for the Spurs to steal a game to like keep up scoring with Durant. You know, like I don't know. I mean, we're probably yet what one Lamarcus Aldridge thirty-five, thirty-eight point game. Yeah, probably. And if it if it coincides with the Warriors scoring ninety, because they're probably going to score ninety in like one or two games a series. Then yeah, I think the Warriors will get bogged down one game offensively if like Katie's off. Yeah. Or Clay's like yeah, not yeah. not hot, and like they really don't have yeah. anyone Clay, else to shoot. Clay was on fire. Yeah, Clay really scored yeah, twenty-seven points on thirteen shots. <laughs> yeah, so and if it's one of those games where like Draymond Green takes like fifteen shots, that's exactly yeah. how the Warriors lose. Yeah, you're right. I could probably yeah. see it. Or I could see like a gentleman's. Like I could see a gentleman's sweep, maybe, but I don't know. I I I would definitely <laughs> at this point I would say it's more likely that it's a sweep than a five game series. So yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they swept, but I mean, I don't know. I'm. I'm going to stick with my five-game prediction, but, yeah, it doesn't look great for the Spurs. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about the Spurs, Warriors? Um, I don't know, Mark. Do you think there's any type really. of adjustments the Spurs can make to, <laughs> like, try to come back? I don't know, like... Yeah, bring Kawhi back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, I mean, like, realistically, it's just an incredibly limited team. There's really no one good you can throw on Durant. Um, the defense... 
without Kawhi isn't good enough that like I don't know if you guys remember last year in the conference finals whenever they kind of limited Clay Thompson because they just had Danny Green face guard him and they tried to play four on four on defense, which didn't work incredibly well, but it really limited Clay. And that would be a big thing they could do in the series if they had Kawhi Leonard, but they really don't. So the, if you play four on four, I mean, KD and Draymond are just going to cut up that defense. Same with Andre Iguodala and his passing. Like, you need weak side help on JaVale McGee whenever you have a center like LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. I mean, you need, you can't just leave JaVale McGee on tag rolling down the lane. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's just really hard for me to see, like, a defensive adjustment that stops KD from going for 28, 29 a game, at least unless, like, he's just having a terrible shooting night. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's why, like, I feel like it's not really gonna be a sweep because I'm trying to think what, what Pop could do to kind of slow down their offense at all. And like, like you said, the only the only real way to slow them down will be them missing shots because I don't think they have the defensive personnel to guard them effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, they have a lot of guys that are really good on defense, but and we saw this. I don't know if any of you guys watched the Spurs Houston game that the Spurs won where they went back to what they did in the playoffs last year, where, like, they switched a lot. They helped. They did a lot of help and recover. They kept their hands out of the strike zone on James Harden, which I actually kind of want to mention. Are the Spurs the only team, like, defensively disciplined enough to play hands out of the strike zone on James Harden? Probably, because every game I ever watch James Harden play, there's people There's people who do that on, like, every because team. It really doesn't matter. The, it's incredible. James Harden gets, like, three fouls a game. Oh, Not yes. all of them are shooting fouls, but, like, he draws at least three fouls a game because people have their hands in the strike zone. And you watch the Spurs defend them, and they don't do it. And I'm like, why doesn't why doesn't every team do this? I kind of get the Warriors not doing it because, like, Andre Iguodala has such amazing hands. Like, Clay Thompson's pretty good at, like, ripping the ball handler. But every other team should be playing hands out of the strike zone, help a lot, and close out on their shooters who are kind of suspect. Not just, Like, not all of them, but... I just feel like it's a thing that, like against the 28 other teams in the league, you don't really have to, like, think about it as much, so they just kind of forget, and they're like, everyone... So he gets, like, two or three a game where people are just like, oh, I can do this, and then and then he gets them, and it's... I don't know, I kind of feel like that's more what it is, but it's kind of wild how yeah. how many of those he gets of people yeah. who just feel like sticking their hands in there, and then he just hooks his arm on them and flails, and he gets a mm-hmm. foul. But, I mean, it's a hard thing to pull your hands back every defensive possession, still be like... Yeah, I can manage to stay in front of Harden decently well, but like, I think it's pretty clearly the best way to defend him. I mean, he's so good at getting you though. Like, even if you're not even trying or thinking about it, like he'll just yeah, he just go you. right through you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know, but do we want to move on to the Wizards and Raptors game? Yeah. All right. Sure. Well, yeah, let's do it. The Raptors got their first game one win. In how how long was it? It's like ten, ten or eleven years or something 10 like or that. Ten or eleven, yeah. Well, ten or eleven games. They were like going ten. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they got they finally won a game one, and over the Raptors or over the the Wizards rather. But uh, I thought the 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 Raptors bench is like legitimately really good. Like Delon Wright yeah. was like super good. CJ Miles every every three CJ Miles hit was like legitimately like a momentum changing like big three. It was kind of crazy. And like I don't know, the, their bench is legitimately good. And I don't know, what do you guys think of uh, like Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan? Because you know they're kind of like the the poster childs for 
the Ra- the Raptors underperform in the playoffs. Like it always kind of falls on them. How do you guys think they were in this in, in this game? <laughs> I was let someone else take the lead. Okay. I didn't watch the whole game. I didn't watch okay. the first I mean, half, I, and I know they didn't play they well were, in the first half. The first, half, yeah, they did enough. I Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry was I thought legitimately really good defensively, and like he was pretty, and he yes. was, and he was good like as a playmaker. But he just seems like Demar Derozan kind of seemed like this too, especially in the first half. They just seem like so passive. Where it's like it's like they almost like are so aware that they have this reputation that they don't want to mess up, but it ends up like being the reason that they're not as effective. Like they're just like overly passive. It kind of seems like, or they're not as aggressive as they should be, or something. I don't know. That's just like kind of how I see it. But like, I mean, they 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 ended up being fine in the second half. And like I said, I think Kyle Lowry was legitimately really good defensively and as a playmaker for others. But I don't know. That's he he can still do a little bit more. Scoring the ball yeah. wise, because he's just yeah. he just wasn't he's as aggressive probably... scoring as I'd like him to be. Well, yeah, he isn't only this had nine kind? Shots. Yeah, wasn't this kind of the thing that like the big change from the Raptors from last year to this year that is that you don't need Kyle Lowry taking like 16, 18 shots every game. You don't need Demar Derozan to score twenty five points for you to win a basketball game. Yeah. Like, isn't this the whole thing that we praise them for all regular season? Yeah. And honestly, I didn't see the whole game, but from what I saw, like. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are both much more willing to give up the ball, which didn't always directly lead to assists. I mean, Kyle Lowry, I think, had, I think they combined like 15 or 16 assists. Yeah, Lowry had nine and DeRozan had 16, or had six. So yeah. They had 15. But, like, just their w- willingness to move the ball instead of, like, playing hero ball every possession, which I mean, it would have boosted up their point totals, but they probably would have lost the game. Had you had to, I remember a possession, like, early in the third, like, DeRozan drove baseline, kicked to the corner, and Nobi, and then he swung it one more time, and it just ended up a wide open three. And I'm like, two years ago, like DeMar DeRozan pulled for a terrible 18 footer on no, the yeah. baseline. Yeah, no, there's there. We're, it's definitely a good thing that they're that they're sharing the ball more and doing all that stuff. But I do think there is a little bit of a happy medium there, where you can still you're the two best players on the team. Like you should still be like, aggressive and, like, trying to score. But, like, I don't know, there's, there's a difference between, like, or a medium in between them being overly passive and them doing what they have been doing the past three years or whatever. I just think there's there's somewhere in the middle there where they should be falling at is is all I'm kind of trying to say. I mean, I agree. You don't you don't win a series where, like, yeah, how, your best two players average 17 and 11. But I think this is kind of, like, an outlier game for DeMar DeRozan. Because honestly, if you look, they really don't have any good to like put on DeRozan. So you're either going to sell out to stop him or like let him get 23, 25 points a night. And I just kind of feel like if you if you win on the night where neither of your stars perform, it's not sustainable. But it's definitely like a good win that gives you a big advantage. Because I definitely think DeMar DeRozan is going to have at least two or three big games, depending on how long the series goes. Oh, yeah, so, and it, yeah, definitely. And in a way, it's good because Demar had a bad game shooting wise, but they were still able to, able to win. So yeah, that's kind of the, their strength, I think, this year for sure, because their bench is really good. And even with the fact that, like in the playoffs, it's not as impactful. Like they still come in and give you energy to, you know, even beat the other team's starters. No, yeah, I mean them 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 sharing the ball and having other people actually contribute is definitely a better thing. But I, I don't know. Marshall, do you have anything on this game you wanted to mention? Yeah, I, I think the big stat 
that I saw from the night that was my takeaway was uh, Wall was two for ten inside, uh, like right at the rim, like on layups. Like he had yeah. so many contested missed layups. So I think I think you really have to credit Toronto centers because I think they were affecting him all game long. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I saw the other stat like. I don't know if you guys mentioned it. Uh, Lowry and DeRozan were like, one, I, I forget what the exact stat, but they had like seven points after the first half. Yeah. They were down at halftime. So I almost feel like they won the game in spite of those two just because of how well their bench played going down the stretch. I, I think Wall needs to play better for for the Wizards to have a chance. So we have to see if they're able to bounce back, back tomorrow because the series is tighter. The series, I, I think. It could end up where Toronto still wins it in four or five games, but I feel like these games are going to be very close and interesting to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think, like you said, it could it could be over sooner than what some of us thought, but I do I do think all the games are probably going to be pretty close. Yeah. Also, can we talk for a minute about how good Pascal Siakam is? Yeah, my dude Pascal. Like, I I'm kind of in love with his game. <laughs> <laughs> he can't he can't shoot, which is normally yeah. a deal breaker for me in power forwards. But he does everything else so well. He's such a good cutter. He's such a good passer. He sets solid screens. There's really no weakness in his game defensively, unless you want to switch him onto a point guard, which like is just kind of dumb in most situations. And I feel like he's always making the right play. Like he's going to be a superstar role player in this league, which may not sound like incredibly high praise. But like for a guy who, whenever I saw him last year, I was like, I don't even know if he's like an NBA quality player, and they started him for half the year. <laughs> like that's a huge jump. Yeah, yeah. So the Raptors got they got like five <laughs> star star role players. Yeah, o- OG yeah. and Anobi was really good. Anobi is good. Yeah, Van Vliet, Delon Wright, Jokic, Hurdle, Hurdle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. Uh... That's yeah. kind of their strong suit. That was like their strong suit this year. Their bench was like super sick. Like that was their whole thing. Yeah. But uh, uh, do we have anything else on this this series or this that game at least? No. Mm-hmm. Not uh, a whole lot. All right. Well, let's go. Uh, the Heat and the 76ers game one. The Sixers won 130 to 103. Currently yeah. losing by 11. Yeah, they're currently losing, but. Uh, what did you guys think of this, hey, of this game? Still time left. Any takeaways from um, this game? Is, I, think, I, is, I think the biggest takeaway was we're talking before the series that, oh, you know, Whiteside's going to be able to have yeah, a really that's, good series. That's what I was going to get. And beat on the floor, but they can't they, they can't play him. He can't, he can't keep up because they'll just, they'll just throw in shooters around Ben Simmons and Whiteside has no one to guard. Yeah, and he's he, such a liability he, defensively. That he only played I think even tonight, minutes. he's only played like He's only put like 15 minutes tonight too. So yeah, like, yeah. He I mean, not. I think he is probably one of the best players to match up against Embiid. But if Embiid's not playing, he's almost unplayable for the Heat. Yeah, they like the Sixers like legitimately like ran him off the floor just by putting like Arson Ilyasova at the five, and like yeah, Hassan Whiteside became like unplayable. And I was like, oh wow, this is kind of crazy. Like he played 12 minutes in game one. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It's it's kind of crazy how like they, you can just compl- like. I'm kind of I'm kind of over Hassan Whiteside, honestly, just as a player. Like I don't know, I just yeah, I just if I was picking a team, I just like I just really w- I would just act like Hassan Whiteside wasn't even available to be picked. <laughs> I really would. Well, I mean, it's just that that type of center and that type of game, game like it just yeah. doesn't work anymore. I feel like this game was so obvious. 
the Sixers were playing modern basketball, they like they, he couldn't even play their best center. You know, like their most talented players, like they couldn't play them at all because you can't have someone like that on the floor against shooters. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good in certain matchups, but his son Whiteside exactly. is on a team I'm building called like who are the best players in the NBA <laughs> that you realistically cannot win a title if they're on your team. <laughs> no, yeah, like and it's like the, 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 yeah, definitely. the thing that like drives me crazy about him though is like he's like so just like physically gifted. Like he like should be good, but it just seems like he has no desire to be good. Like he just like does stupid stuff. Like I don't know. I, he just drives me crazy as a player. Yeah, like, I mean, he's actually definitely improved from two years ago when he was like getting out of position and to try to. People and then just conceding open layups. Yeah, that one. I remember he averaged like four like, blocks a game that year, but it was like yeah. strictly because he was block chasing the entirety of the year. People were like, yeah, there he was... should be defensive player of the year. He blocked four shots. And it's like, no, watch <laughs> him play defense. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? He blocked four shots, and somehow their defense was much worse with him on the court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely honed that in some because yeah. I remember he would literally get on the outside of guys taking layups to try, like, swat their shot from behind. I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> Yeah, dude. But then he got paid, and he kind of like toned it down a little bit. Yeah, um, he just I don't know, he just kind of drives me crazy. Like it's like I, if if I was really like building a team and I had to like draft a center, like I would just not even have him on my board. Like I, I really no. wouldn't. Like, I just have no he's interest a, in. He's definitely a floor raiser because he gives you like a medium level of dependable. He's gonna rebound the ball and he's like okay defensively in most matchups. But he definitely limits what your ceiling can be as a basketball team if you have to play it. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. He's not flexible at all. You know? Yeah, he's not. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Do we? Well, like you said, we are. What is the current score of the game? Two. The uh, the Sixers are down fourteen with mm-hmm. yeah. the fourth set. Yeah, we'll probably be tied yeah. at one-one <laughs> by the time this is this is up. This is posted. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. What do we? What do we think of this series uh, moving forward? Um, I still think the I, Sixers... I think it's... Go. <laughs> I still think the Sixers are going to win in uh, like six games. I mean, everything's broke right for the Heat this game. They're shooting lights out. Ben Simmons has... He's been good, but he hasn't been like great. Marco Bellinelli's been ice cold besides like the first seven minutes of the game. Um, I mean, J.J. Redick hasn't given them much. But, I mean, I think James Johnson... He's been phenomenal this game. I don't know if you guys have been like paying too close attention to him, but he hasn't he's... missed a shot. He's five five from the field. Yeah, but here's my thing: so, like they tried to have him guard Ben Simmons, which didn't really work because he doesn't have the lateral quickness to keep up with him so much anymore. And he was giving him like too much space and just letting Simmons get a head full of steam before he like attacked the hoop. Which you can't really do. You can't, and you can sag off Benson. You can't let him get like a running start to attack. But James Johnson's just like an elite help defender and like an in a pinch switch defender. And he's just been amazing. He's been shutting so much stuff down this game. And he's been, he's such a good passer too. And I just think, and he's like kind of a Draymond light in the fact that he can't switch one through five, he can kind of switch like three through four and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's a bad shooter, but he's a good, like, playmaker out of short roles and even, like, limited coming off ball screens or, like, creating off a cut. Uh, I just really like his game in general. Yeah. No, yeah, I do I do like James Johnson. Uh, he is good.
I don't know, do we want to move on to the Pelicans-Trailblazers game? Yeah. All right, well, the... Dude, what a game. Yeah, this one, I, like I said, I did not watch this one because I go to bed entirely too early. So I did not see this one. So uh, you guys will have to take the reins on this one. Drew goddamn Holiday, I know. I, I, all oh, I heard my goodness. Drew Holiday was killing. Like, you know, that like, steal he had on CJ McCollum late, where he reached oh, to make that. him pick up his dribble and then deflected the pass with the other hand. Oh, my God. I saw that. I was like, wow, that is that is something. Leg- <laughs> legitimately, like, Drew Holiday, always an underrated defender. Like, I think we talked about him during the All-Star pod as, like, getting All-Star consideration because of how well he's played this year. I feel like, yeah. you know, he's, like, a very good player that's kind of underrated because he plays with the Pelicans and it's all about, like, AD. But, like, I've known he was a good defender, but, like, I watched pretty much second quarter through the end of the game for this one, and just consistently, his defense the entire game was just one of the one of the best performances I've seen in a while. Like, it was completely locked down. Just so many intelligent plays he was making. Um, I feel like he could be a real difference maker because um, the issue was they just kept him on uh, on Portland's guards, and, like, Lillard really struggled to create his shot with Holiday on him. Like, he was only affecting him throughout the entire game. Um, mm. Davis obviously had a great game, but to me, I mean, to me, the big takeaway was Holiday. I feel like Portland moving forward, they need to find ways to get, get if they're, if uh, the Pelicans can keep playing Rondo so many minutes, you got to get Rondo on Lillard instead so he can create more because they'll be game on defense. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I'm kind of out on Rage on Rondo. I've been out on Rage on Rondo. Yeah, dude. Vintage. But- Playoff Rodgers performance. <laughs> Dude, those 17 assists, like, it's a pretty number, don't get me wrong. But I still think yeah. that they would be better with, like, some shooter on the court. That I mean, they don't really have to have that luxury. <laughs> I'm inventing a play to fund their team. But, like, Drew, if Drew Holiday ran the offense, I think it would be better. Drew I mean, Holiday's, not, like, he's been better, though, this year because he hasn't had to run the offense, though. Yeah, but we've seen him be, like, like a he's been better at shooting guy. Though. Yeah, I know, but been much better this year partly because like he doesn't have to run the offense yeah i think honestly like i think him having a great year because they have another point guard i think he's better like splitting duties like if him and say cj mccollum were combo guards on an offense like be kind of the perfect fit to him where he could do like a little more playmaking than he's doing now because he's just he's so fucking good in the mid-range it's legitimately yeah. unreal. He's a knockdown mid-range shooter. And he's legitimately become a three-level scorer, which is... And I think he's a plus finisher. He's so strong that you really can't keep up. And, like, some two really can't, like, in front of him because he's so strong. He's automatic from mid-range, and he's, like, pretty good three-point shooter. So you can't really duck his screens. You kind of have to, like, chase him. Anthony Davis on the end of those screens. It's... And he's a good playmaker, and he's a lockdown defender. Mark, you've just convinced me Drew Holiday's best point guard in the league. He's legitimately, like, (laughs) probably the seventh best point guard in the league if you want to make him a point guard. (laughs) He's, he's, yeah, like, great. He's legitimately a combo. No. (laughs) That's not (laughs) a react. No, no. (laughs) I love Greg. I mean, he's been better this year. All right. All right, no, we're going to do this right now. Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. Those are the top four, right? We're not we're not getting any pushback on that. No. James Harden, Ben Simmons aren't point guards. LeBron James not a point guard. <laughs> but like after that, he's been 
I get John Wall's been hurt, but he's been so much better than John Wall this year. I think defensively it puts him over the top versus Kemba. Um, Mike Conley was hurt this year, so it's kind of a lost year. Wait, I don't even know. Who did you say? Who is the top five? I said the top four were Dame. Oh, and then Kyrie is the top five. So Dame, Kyrie, Curry, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook are the top five. And then after that, I think you can make an argument for Drew Holiday versus, like, any of the other guys. Yes. I I have to be forgetting somebody. <laughs> I feel like I mean, you are, was, too, but honestly. I, I, it's hard to remember, baby. <laughs> Lowry, I don't know. But yeah, but he's been kind of down this year. That's what I mean, yeah. No, dude, Mark, you know me, the king of game one overreaction, so I'm all, all I'm No, all no, guys. I've been all in on Drew Holiday <laughs> this year. But also... The biggest thing that stood out to me in this game, and I was kind of thinking about it going in, is that there's really no great matchup for Anthony Davis on the Trailblazers roster. Like, you want to guard him with Aminu, but with Harkless being out, you kind of have to play Nurkic because they're short on wings now. And Mm -hmm. you can't put Nurkic on Miritich. Like, Nurkic is a traditional drop center, which he's been great at this year. And he'd be great at against like twenty six teams in the league, but against yeah. Anthony Davis, Not it's indeed. just it's just a no go. And with them like going away from Okafor, and what Czech Diallo played their like backup center minutes, they only played like six minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's just tough to find minutes for someone like Nurkic, who you have to play. But yeah. they should probably start at Davis in game two. I. I don't think Ed Davis is better than Nurkic because I Nurkic is such a gifted passer. I think he's a better he's a better finisher. Ed Davis is a better pick and roll finisher. But like you just need someone who's in the same stratosphere as Anthony Davis athletically, or you can feasibly put on Miritich if you want Aminu to guard Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. that's why I think the the Harkless loss is so big. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, because they don't have another wing. To throw out there, because uh, ideally Aminu is probably the best option against Davis. Yeah, Davis but, is going to score over the top of him some, but he's really like yeah. the best match for his strength, speed, and size. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know who else they would throw out there. Then I mean, I don't know who you're looking at, like Pat Connaughton or something. Ooh. Yeah, and so it's, well, as your Patty third Connaughton. guard or something. <laughs> well, we're thinking of yeah. someone who could go oh. Miritich too. So like exactly, yeah, because uh, you yeah. need another feasible big. And then you're still playing Evan Turner, which is just... Evan Turner was okay whenever, like, the Pelicans like, oh, we'll just hide Rondo on him. And, I mean, Evan Turner's much too big, much too strong, much too polished that you can't just kind of put Rondo on him and forget about him. He was also 6 mm-hmm. of 15. Yeah, but he took a lot of jump. Like, they just abandoned him. Yeah. Wherever they, wherever they took Rondo off of him, they just were like... We're just going to make you... Because they put Rondo on him, and he's just backing down Rondo. I think he's sort of like three for six or four for seven or something. And then they were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just... We'll put like each one more on him or something, and we'll just... Ian Clark on him, and we'll just completely ignore him. Which is probably the best way to defend him. Yep, and it clearly worked, because he was six of 15. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see how much... With how willing the Pelicans are to roll out Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, and Etwan Moore or, or uh, Ian Clark. I want to see how willing uh, the Trailblazers will be 
to go to Dame McCollum and then either Napier or Pat Connaughton. Because, like, if you can, if the Trailblazers can run three guards and not get defensively murdered for it, I think it's their best chance to, like, stay in the game because as good as Drew Holiday is defensively, like, he can only guard one of Dame and CJ. And each one more is fine defensively, but that's a matchup you're probably willing to take. If you just put another shooter out there or another creator like Shabazz Napier, I really think that that could make their offense very dangerous as long as it doesn't just kill them defensively. Anybody else have anything else on the Blazers-Pelicans game one? Um, I think the Pelicans are winning the series. Stand by it. Yeah. I'm, I'm standing by my pick too, Mark. Yeah, I, I like... Do you guys all pick the Pelicans? Uh, no, I took Blazers no, in seven took too. Portland. But I think it's gonna be a great seven. series. I wasn't, I wasn't, ex- yeah. I wasn't, ent- I wasn't entirely confident on my pick, but that was this one was of the, the one series where... I had no idea how it was gonna go yeah, until this... I saw a game. Now I really have a better sense of what's gonna happen. Like, yeah. no one's gonna be able to stop Dave, so it's gonna come down yeah. to lower to McCollum scoring enough to have Portland keep up with them. Anthony Davis is basically prime Shaq numbers every game this series, except oh, probably exactly. like one. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't go with the Pelicans because usually when I have these like coin flip series, I usually just go with the team that has the best player. It's just usually a safe bet. But I literally went the Blazers because they're they're so good at home, and they already lost the game at home, which is big. But but despite despite that usually being my uh, my philosophy for these, I literally went against that for this series and the next one we're going to talk about, which is the Bucks in the Celtics. Which that game was crazy, and honestly, that's kind of a, a rough one for the Bucks to drop. I think because like to be able to get a game one at Boston when you get what Chris Middleton shot to send it at overtime, and you get a combined sixty six yeah. from Antetokounmpo and Middleton, and you still can't pull off a win. That's kind of that was kind of a rough one for them. But I don't know. What did you guys is, think? Is, was there any reason to suggest Giannis isn't going to be going for thirty five a night in the series? No, probably not. I mean. Al Horford did like yeah. as good of a job you could reasonably expect Al Horford to do, which is a really good job. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just plays where you're like, I don't know who's going, like who in theory would stop this. No, yeah. like I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about the Bucks pick because like their their moments are definitely incredibly frustrating. Like watching their offense all game, <laughs> <laughs> like watching Chris Middleton oh work into like hard like tough contested mid-range jumpers and he hit a lot of them but it's still frustrating to watch eric bledsoe also on my team of best players you definitely can't win a championship with throwing your team because like all right Dude. eric bledsoe oh, that's a rough game for him <laughs> eric all right yeah that's probably the worst game for series, but eric bledsoe jeff teague reggie jackson all point guards who are decently ball dominant not great off ball shooters and they like to shoot a lot despite being like not great shooters yeah. I just kind of feel like with a guy like that, once again, helps your floor, hurts your ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they should move Brogdon in the starting lineup. Brogdon was amazing. Yeah, Brogdon was in good. In that game. Yeah. Yeah. Brogdon was good. They said, mm-hmm. uh, like, Middleton was great. Antetokounmpo was great. Uh, Al Horford was, like, really good. Al Horford was phenomenal. Like, he legit. He played fantastic. 24, yeah. 12, and 4, only took eight shots. Like, he's legit 13 or 14 from the free throw line. Like, yeah. He was well, like, he got smart fouls, and Giannis kept reaching on him instead of just going straight up defensively, which yeah. Horford was smart enough to take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I feel like the Bucks finally figured it out, though, hopefully. 
where, like like Mark said, you start Brogdon and you play Giannis at the center. I feel like that lineup, even though it didn't necessarily show on the scoreboard, I felt like you could just tell they were generating offense a lot more effectively and their defense was still good enough to slow down the Celtics. I feel like that's what you got to try moving forward in the game too. Um, mm. Tony started awful game, so <laughs> I feel like he's he'll, he'll play better. Bledsoe, we already talked about, had a terrible game, so I feel like the Bucks guys are due to play better. Um, yeah, that was a tough one to lose for the Bucks, but I still feel like they definitely are right in this series, um, and it'll be interesting to see if they do make that lineup change to Giannis at center. It'll be interesting to see how Boston tries to stop that in game two. Yeah, I just I just don't know how much you really want to play Giannis at the center. But it worked well. It did I mean, work well. I, I, I don't think you. I don't think you want to like throw it out there as, really like, well. a whole game kind of thing. But no, you I save mean, it for like the last five minutes or something of the quarters or something. Kind of like what the Warriors you, used to do. I think you can do it anytime Horford's at center. Like you don't want him out there mm-hmm. like wasting energy like fronting Baines or Monroe post or like yeah. fighting them for rebounds. But anytime Horford's at center, I would go for it. They play so. Can, See, I don't know. I would just throw him out there with like Baines out there, and you just kill them. I mean, you do what it's just—it's just so it's like you do what they do against the Heat. Yeah, exactly. You just get him off the court. No, but wouldn't you just put Baines on like Tony Snell? Like Baines isn't going to guard probably actually whoever's shooting the poorest. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to get wide open looks though the whole time. Yeah, like so. I guess you could try to put him on Snell or something. Snell is also like a thirty. Like that's the thing. Yeah, no but one on Snell's really knock down shooter. Snell's a low volume shooter. That's the big yeah. thing about. You're not gonna. You're gonna live with Tony Snell taking. You would let Tony Snell take eight threes a night, regardless of what percentage. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just yeah. because he takes like three a game right now. Yeah. Also, oh yeah. So the Bucks are down two with like, what is it, twenty some seconds left, and that I get you saved your best place for last, but that fake dribble handoff to Malcolm. Brogdon, then the dribble handoff to Chris Middleton, and Giannis flips the screen for an easy dunk. Like, if you just had like six more plays like that, I get, I get, automatic dunk plays aren't easy to drop, and they're much easier to drop in crunch time when you know like the look that's coming defensively. But and like they're bound. Dude, to I know the there season. were like, like some great moments of coaching throughout that game. It's like mind boggling. Like, where is that for the rest yeah. of this game? Where has that been this season? So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how the Bucks. they should have, I guess it's attractive to just give Giannis the ball and say, go guess 35. And he's going to do that a decent amount of the time. But there should be ways to get a 6'11 freak athlete more easy buckets than he gets. Because honestly, he doesn't get a ton of like, <laughs> he doesn't get a ton of like one dribble dunks. Like they rarely put him as the role man with like Eric Bledsoe or like Chris Middleton or anybody. Even like Malcolm Brogdon, how even Jabari Parker run a like size pick and roll yeah. and see what happens. That's that seems insane yeah. that they don't use him as the rule guy in pick and rolls that much. I know. Like it seems like such an obvious thing that you would do. Especially considering they have so many like mid tier like creators. Like obviously you don't want Bledsoe or Middleton or Brogdon or like your full time creator, but they're all fine as part time creators. And you you can do stuff with Giannis off the ball, like break screen and have him like and go back door, like, have him do something besides just, like, kind of dominate the ball. Yeah. Or stand around while Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton ISO. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, all I'm saying is my guy Danny Ainge, my guy keeping Scary Terry around, guy's a beast. 
Yeah, Terry's got a great game as well, dude. <laughs> I feel like Boston played really well in general. Yeah, Jason. Well, that's Tatum why I feel like you good. have to be optimistic as a Bucks fan because I don't know. I feel like a lot of players like played really well, which I feel like I, I don't know if that's as sustainable. Yeah, I don't. I, I thought don't know Boston got. Out. I thought Boston got lucky at the end of the game a lot. Oh yeah, like oh, totally. they hit. They had like two like crazy like end of shot clock threes, and then there were like a couple plays where the ball just like bounced around, and like the yeah. Celtics just got it and got like a bu- a basket or got fouled. So like that, I don't know. They could have easily lost that game. That's what I'm saying. And that that's when Giannis is at the center. So it's like even though like point wise yeah. it might not look that good, like plus minus, I felt like Boston was getting a lot poorer opportunities on the offensive end. And that could be because they were, like, you know, trying to slow down the shot clock they were in the lead or whatever. But still, I feel like you're trying to get your best looks offensively towards the end of the game. And, like, Boston was just, yeah, they were making some pretty, like, I would say bad looks. Like, they weren't creating yeah. offense really effectively yeah. against that lineup from the Bucks. So, like, even though it sucks to lose this game, I, I feel like you have to be optimistic as a Bucks fan after this because I feel like some of their players need to play better and will play better. Um, and I feel like a lot of the players on Boston just like Brown played fantastic. Yeah, I just mm. I don't Marcus care. Morris was oh Morris, Marcus Morris was amazing. Was fine, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so many people from Boston played really well that game to get the win. Yeah, and I don't know how like overly sustainable it is for like you to get twenty a game from Tatum, Rosier, and Brown for like like on a oh, consistent yeah. basis. Like, it's a good just overtime, based off their youth so and, and it, experience. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, Bucks are gonna have trouble rebounding though. With Giannis at the five, though, they got killed in the last like five minutes. Yeah, if that's only the, like that's the only issue. Yeah, if only Tony Snell wasn't also an anemic rebounder. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't at all. Dude, I'm yeah. all out on Tony Snell. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's I know. he's really I, not that good. Like, I like him so much in uh, theory, but he is really not that like six four long arm defender, who or six five long arm defender who like. Shoots a decent percentage on threes and is like very athletic. Like he should be better at basketball. And I get, Dude, that's I get that's saying. an easy yeah. criticism uh-huh. to like make, but just like the physical tools he has, you always kind of assume he's better than he is. Yeah, he yeah. seems like the perfect three and D guy. Yeah, I don't know how much you blame on that coaching for like not utilizing this roster correctly, but like there are moments where he's like, "Dude, hit a shot." I don't know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No. Dude, like, I mean, he's the best player for that for what they need him for. Though, like he's probably yeah. he's better than like Jabari Parker shooter, in that right? position. Oh, I mean, let's Jabari Parker would just crush I mean, you defensively. <laughs> exactly. Let's, yeah. Let's just not get. Yeah. <laughs> what, honestly, what the Bucks need, they need another three-four. Like once again, I'm inventing a player to put on a team. But <laughs> well, if they even, it's, that's what every team needs, though. Let's yeah. Be honest. yeah, but if they even have like. Let's say they had teams Wilson. need the same yeah. guy. Let's say they had <laughs> Wilson Chandler even. Like Wilson Chandler is not that good, but he would make the Bucks so much better. Yeah. But you could say that about a lot of teams though. Yeah. Yeah. Here's let's just put this three four combo four that can shoot threes and plays good defense. Like that's like literally yeah. every team the, in the NBA would be like, Yeah, Will, we will take yeah, this. But guy. Wilson Chandler isn't even that good <laughs> anymore. The three yeah. point shooter just, who can play defense is Yeah. I mean, like, as you see, the best teams have a ton of them. Well, not a ton of them, but, like, the Rockets have, like, four of them. The Celtics have, like, five of them. 
Yeah, but that's what I mean. The that's what 76ers have, like, yeah. It's like, if you just cook up a player at every position that's good at defense and can shoot threes, every team's going to take, like, they're like, I'll take two of every position. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. every team's going to. Yeah. But that. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, like, a solid, solid rotation player would do wonders for the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But Like, <laughs> they definitely missed the wagon by not trading Jabari, or, like, missed the boat or whatever you want to say by not trading Jabari last year before he got hurt. Like, he was having yeah. a good start to the season, and you easily oh, yeah. could have sold high on he him. Was like, he was like borderline all-star in the East last year. Yeah. But and now I think it was just... easy to tell from watching him that he just he wasn't a great fit next to Giannis, too. Oh, yeah. Giannis is so much better at the four, and Jabari yeah. can't play the three. Yeah. I think all, all of his lateral quickness is gone. Like, he's still a great, like, north-south vertical athlete, but he cannot move side to side that well. Yeah. And I guess yeah. it's probably the two ACL tears, but that might have basically you, it. yeah, <laughs> you could have sold high on like a fringe all star a year ago, and now he's like the power forward version of Zach Levine, and like it's just not a great, not a great guy to have, especially coming into free agency, where you know someone's gonna pay him, and they just yeah. can't let him go for nothing. Yeah. All right, do we are we good on the Bucks Celtics then? Do we have any thoughts yeah. on the series going forward? Because I still think I think it's going to be a, a, a close one. I think it's going seven games. Yeah, I probably at least six games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll stay with my pick for now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, but it's. I feel um, like it's gonna be some nice like back and back adjustments between the two teams moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, we'll move on to the the Cavaliers and the Pacers game, which the Cavs just kind of looked abysmal. Through this whole game, <laughs> my guy Vic Oladipo was killing, and the Cavs like really got nothing out of pretty much everybody outside of LeBron and then like J.R. Smith for like a quarter, and like they really got nothing else from anybody else. Like it was, I turned this game on and they were losing twenty to six, and I was like, oh, alrighty then. But uh, I don't know any takeaways from this game. Are we are we worried about the Cavs, guys? I'm not worried about the Cavs. I mean, Bogdanovich did as good of a job on LeBron as you can realistically expect him to. Same thing with Lance Stevenson. But at the same time, like, if you if you want a legitimate chance to beat a LeBron team, you need one guy where it's like, we don't have to send a double on LeBron every time he gets the ball. And the Pacers, quite frankly, don't have one of those guys. Like, I think... I think LeBron might just go in the finals the first time they played the Warriors where he was, like, basically posting up all the time, which isn't sustainable for four rounds. He'll definitely win you a series. Yeah, he's going to post up. And I'm then starting to doubt. Just, just score, like, 40 every game, and then hopefully they'll win enough. That's Yeah, and they'll just collapse. They'll kick out the shooters, and the shooters will probably make enough shots in the series. Yeah, exactly. I am definitely – the Cavs definitely changed my opinion the most. I'm not worried about them coming out or being the Pacers, but I am more worried about them now. So, like, I agree. Uh, because, like, Victor Oladipo might have another game or two like that this series, but that's that might be the best he plays all series. 
dude, he was like he was just he on was on on him, insane, he's been dude. doing it all season. He was he was so good, dude. Like, no, dude, he was just going up from three and just yeah, draining dude. it. It was he's wow. been doing that all season. He's so good. No, at he, he was doing that until six, the All Star break. He wasn't shooting six of nine from three or, every game. He's shooting yeah. like forty percent on like pull up threes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, he was shooting that like through the end of January and then went down to like twenty six percent. He was he was <laughs> Steph Curry on pull up threes for the first fifty games. <laughs> And then, like, Jeff Green on pull-up threes for, like, the last 30. Which is still pretty impressive that he imitated Steph Curry for over half the season. But I don't think it's a knockdown shot that's in his arsenal most nights. Like, let's not pretend like he's James Harden. Oh, uh, he's like, factually he's, James Harden, so I don't know. He's not just he's <laughs> he's like, he keep running into these players every night. I'm all, the way, I'm all the way in on the Pacers. Yes. Pacers in four. <laughs> I'm calling it. LeBron might not score sixty points any other game. Exactly, they're done. <laughs> they're done. I don't know. It turns out having Jeff Green play twenty-seven minutes for your team is not very conducive to winning basketball games. That's on. Yeah, dude, Green he was legitimately awful. awful. Like he's bad. Awful. He, dude, dude. We were talking before about Tony Parker was like at thirty offensive rating for thirteen minutes. Jeff Green had twenty-six minutes played. He had an offensive rating of eight. Hey, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you, dude. Oh, that is God. so awful. That's unbelievable. That's like, like I, I thought you got like a twenty just by being on the floor. Like I thought it was like, like a the base. SATs. Yeah, it's like it's like like when you check in, you get a twenty. Like I thought that's how it worked. Like you played twenty-seven minutes too. Yes, that's like dude, twenty-six wow. minutes and an offensive rating of eight. That oh, is eight. that is one of the craziest stats i've ever seen like that's so awful it's and like that's enough minutes in a game too where like that's not that's half the game that's significant like that's not that means they probably put four points in that half the game yeah like that's not like you checked in the other team hit like three threes in a row you didn't score and then you got checked out like no this dude played half the game and got and had an eight offensive rating in the eight eight that's absurd. Yeah. So, so Mark, you said you're not worried about them losing to the Pacers, but you are a little bit more worried about them coming out of the East now. Yeah. And Marshall, you agree? I mean, with that? I think there's. Oh, I agree 100. There's um, enough you can do. Lose, but... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I part of me was still like, like I was still in like the whole like I'll believe it when I see it mode of like somebody's gonna beat a LeBron James Cavs team, like this iteration of LeBron James Cavs team. But I was like. I don't know. I I, th- I am a little I am a little concerned about their their ability to come out of the East. My whole thing is is yeah. I'm not I'm not like super super confident in any other team that's gonna beat them though. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. my only the, thing. Like it's if, kind of the question. If there was the like, Raptors yeah. don't other... have a guy to put on LeBron. Yeah, exactly. Like you can you can fudge Ananobi or Siakam for like a couple minutes at a time, but like you can't have one of them guarding LeBron for 48 minutes. Yeah, like that's, and not have it just crush your offense. That's why I'm like I'm like not all the way like sold that, or like not super worried about the Cavs. It's just because I'm not really super convinced any other team is that threatening. But Philly, yeah, fi- I mean Philly is probably the team I'm, I'm the most the worried thing, about. Dude. Like I might pick Philly. 100%. I might bet on Philly to come out of the East. Yeah, like <laughs> I kind of honestly, like, I won't wait to see what the Cavs do in Game Two because yeah. the Cavs will have like one thirty in Game Two. Then I'm not making the bet. But if the Cavs put up like 95 points again, yeah, dude, they put 95 80. or less. I'm, I know that's that yeah. 80 points. That's like, terrible. It's terrible. The thing I'm worried about the Cavs is like, I feel like we always think it's just like LeBron and a bunch of 
don't have that good shooters on this team. They have a ton no. of good shooters. A ton George of good Hill's, shooters? George, George Hill? Cap Green? Dude, George Hill's a Jeff good Green? shooter. Kev, Kevin Love, George Hill, Ronnie I mean, Hood. Kevin Love's the only guy I'm scared about. Like, Jordan Clarkson? I don't know. I mean, Kyle Corver played four minutes. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why, I mean, but... Yeah, Corver was... I think he got hurt. Yeah, so he yeah. Oh, did he get hurt? I think if they yeah. slide Chetty Osmond to the starting lineup and just bench Jeff Green's ass, they'll be fine. See, my my, <laughs> my whole concern about this Cavs team is that outside of LeBron, like they don't really have anybody that's like like an above mm-hmm. average creator. Like, yeah, they don't have a secondary guy to yeah, like go yeah. to for shots. They can't be like, I, all right, our offense is stalling out. Here, Kyrie, go get us like five buckets in a row. Yeah, and then he's just going to go honestly, do it. Like. Honestly, I think hurts Kevin Love because Kevin Love can be a second option, but I kind of think if you're not going to make a concerted effort to run the offense through him at the elbows, he's kind of more sued to be like a third option that teams help off of way too much or like are way too willing to switch a smaller guy onto, and he kills there. But like him as a second option that isn't also like a high usage playmaker creator. Is kind of like the worst spot for him to be in, in my opinion. No, if you're making like, the second option only a scorer, yeah. like you can't really. That's why the like, Cavs have worked out so well with that combination of LeBron, Kyrie, and Love. Because, like you said, as a third threat, he was really deadly. But yeah, just, I don't know the team that like the pieces don't fit together for me super well, and I don't think they have all year. So yeah, it's I mean who that's who the, that's why I feel like they're vulnerable. Yeah, my my whole thing is like, who else is like getting Kevin Love the ball outside of LeBron James? Nobody. Like no, that's the problem. Nobody can do it. Like yeah. a, Jordan Clarkson has some of the worst tunnel vision I've ever yes, seen. Yes, exactly. And like, yeah. like George Hill is like not a great playmaking point guard. Like no, he was Love like is, two years ago or the year Paul George missed. He actually did a great job as like a pick and roll playmaker. It was an incredibly structured offense, which Cleveland isn't. So I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just keep looking at like the more I like look at this Cavs team and watch them, I'm just like they really don't have like anybody that's like that good outside of LeBron and Kevin Love. Like George Hill's yeah. fine, Rodney Hood's fine, Larry Nance is is fine, but like I don't know, like I just like they're playing like I said, if you're playing Jeff Green 27 minutes or something wrong. Yeah. Like also shout out Rodney Hood for being the all first team looks like he's good at defense, but it really is. <laughs> like he's six eight, rangy, and like pretty laterally quick. And you just like think he's good at defense, and he is not. He is horrible at defense. <laughs> yeah, he's not. But like, like I said, he's like he's like young, mm-hmm. athletic, like good size. So people are like, he's good at defense. Yeah, it's like not really, but sure. Th- that being said, though, like I don't think the Pacers have enough shooting to win this series because like. You you let Stevenson shoot. You let Corey Joseph shoot. You let Sabonis shoot. You let Thad Young shoot, and you let Miles Turner shoot from three. Like you let all those guys take all the open threes they want, and they're probably not going to beat you. And I think Cleveland's defensive principles were a little off there because they were definitely giving those guys way too much respect as shooters. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It will be. It definitely will be interesting to see how they uh, how they come out in game two. Um, that's going to be one of the more interesting game twos to me. See how the Cavs come out and how they respond to that game. But I don't know. Do we have anything else on the Cavs or Pacers and that series? We're still we're still confident in the Cavs coming out. 
Yeah, I picked five, yeah. though. I feel like I should pick six. I was toying with five. I ended up going with six. I'm feeling pretty comfortable still with my... Yeah, I think six, six sounds about right. But, I don't know. This is still LeBron's, what, first loss in the first round since 2012? Something like that. No so way. That, that's that's yeah. an insane stat. Which is Yeah, which is just ridiculous. So, I don't know. I, that's kind of why I picked the Cavs in five. It's like, let's, let's, let's see what they're going to do. Let's yeah. not overlook LeBron here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's yeah, it's LeBron. Yeah. Um all right, let's move on to the Jazz and the Thunder game. Uh Thunder won this one one sixteen to one oh eight. My guy playoff playoff P playoff P. <laughs> playoff playoff P, P with thirty six. The worst nickname in the league. That is that is some terrible <laughs> nicknames. That is that is names. that is a terrible nickname. And he like didn't he he called himself that, right? That's yeah. Nice. Did he, he really? like yeah, that was a. He's that like, was a oh, you guys haven't seen nickname. Playoff P yet, like. Dude, if you're gonna give yourself a nickname, <laughs> yeah, at least make it kind <laughs> of cool. Like, Jesus Christ! I mean, he, didn't he give himself the name PG, thirteen or whatever, two? Well, he Probably. picked the number thirteen 13. for that. Right? Yeah. yeah, and then and then that kind of just wrote itself, like. So he, he's he's it's one a of movie two. Rating, it's so not it's bad like, then. It just kind of wrote itself, <laughs> like I don't know, but I don't know. Any thoughts from this game? Any takes? Uh, my guy Donovan Mitchell was pretty good, you know, twenty-seven and ten. Pretty solid outing from him. Yeah, but yeah, is he hurt? I, I think he did. I saw something. Yeah, he broke his toe apparently. Left left foot contusion. Contusion. Isn't a contusion just a fancy word for you who got a bruise? Yeah, uh, I don't okay. know. That's it's like I a bone bruise. I think. Oh yeah. 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 But uh, dude, I I feel like the issue with this series, which I should have accounted for, was like. You know, Mitchell's been great all season. And he, he I, I thought he played well uh, yesterday, even considering that he was out there limping a bit towards the end. But, like, he's he's legitimately probably the Jazz's only real shot creator. Like, Rubio, I feel like the whole game plan for the Thunder was just cover, just take Mitchell out of the game as much as possible and force Rubio to beat them. And Rubio just wasn't able to do it. Yeah. So, well, playoff I Rubio think the, for the first yeah, time yes, ever. Yes, he looks. Yeah. I think that um, everyone was saying that Paul George was going to guard Donovan Mitchell, and he really didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Corey but Brewer I think, was on him. I think that's honestly like a good idea from Billy Donovan because Paul George is one of those one of the few guys in the league who can really like help off a three point defender and like close out on him without it really killing you. And Joe Ingles is really like a great secondary playmaker, but Paul George complete and like a great knockdown shooter. And Paul George completely neutralized him. Yeah. And Paul George, yeah. And Paul George is so great at maneuvering screens, especially he's great at on ball. But like, he's pretty much unscreenable off ball. I remember um, earlier in the year they put him on Clay Thompson against the Warriors, and like it just took the Warriors out so many of their sets because Clay was never open, like coming off screens or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like a crazy like wrench to throw into Golden State's plans. It made their offense like a lot more bland but if he's just gonna lock down joe ingles like i feel better about the thunder's chances of winning definitely although yeah. the thunder did kind of shoot like kind of a lot better than i thought they would on jump shots mainly yeah. paul george but they were really like they were the 48 percent from three yeah the big thing that i was expecting with this series is that rudy gobert changes the opposing team's like shot type so much that you take like eight percent less shots on the paint whenever he's on the court. Like 
six percent mm-hmm. more from mid range and two percent more from three. And I just thought that they would bait Russ into like a shit ton of pull up mid range jumpers. I think like forty some percent of his shots were pull up mid range jumpers whenever they played in the regular season. And that is not sustainable to win a series. Yeah. But and Paul George is not gonna shoot like that again in this series. Yeah, probably. I think that was that was the story was George shot lights out from three, so it made the Thunder offense Yeah, it made the Thunder offense a lot more dynamic to yeah. where Gobert couldn't have that effect. And yeah, I actually I tweeted out at the beginning of the game whatever the Jazz were like kinda running away and Mitchell like didn't miss a shot for the first six minutes or when I was like, Why is Paul George not on Donovan Mitchell? But then I actually agree with you, Mark. After watching it, like taking angles out of the game, I think that that really helped limit um, the Jazz offensively. Just having Paul George match up against him and kind of neutralize him as a threat, and then at that point it was down to Mitchell and Rubio, and the Thunder seemed to concentrate on Mitchell and try to have Rubio beat them. And yeah, it didn't turn out well. So I think I think that was the key was getting Ingles kind of out of their offensive scheme because he only had what like. He only had nine shot attempts, which I guess that's is that around his average. But I just felt like he wasn't as yeah. active on offense he's, as he usually is. Yeah, I mean he's normally like a four or five assist guy on a given night. He had one assist. He wasn't yeah. doing anything in the pick and roll. He was completely yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of those points came with Paul George like not playing. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah, because George really neutralized him. I think that's that's a good plan by the Thunder, but. I feel like, you know, it was an 8.1 because the Jazz battled back at the end of it because they kept their starters in for some reason. So maybe not as close as the score seems, but still, like, like Paul George is not going to shoot for 11 from 3 for the rest of the series. So I feel like this could yeah. be a lot more interesting if he's not as lights out from 3 and, you know, they bait Russ into more, more of those mid-range shots, like you said. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert was in some foul trouble in the first half, too. That kind of hurt mm-hmm. them. Even though Derek Favors was pretty good at center, he's just he's just not Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Marshall, I'm gonna say is you never know. Maybe playoff P is a 73% three point shooter. You don't know him. Dude, if he keeps this up, man, that'd be pretty <laughs> yeah. incredible. Oh, playoff P. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were what was everybody? Was Greg the only one that took the Thunder in this series? I think, I think so. I think he was. Yeah, I, think we, took the jazz. I think we all went jazz in seven. This was this one was also a toss up to me, <laughs> and I just kind of bought into the, the jazz being like super good for the past like two months of the season, and then I don't know. I don't. I'm just like super. I'm not really like. Forgot about playoff P. I forgot about yeah. Forgot about <laughs> P. What are you doing? But, what are you doing? Well, see, I didn't know playoff P. <laughs> playoff P was just introduced to me. So <laughs> I didn't know playoff P's been around, dude. Playoff no, P's. Been he wasn't around. calling himself playoff P though. This yeah. is a new. This is a new version of Paul George. What's in a name, though, dude? Come on. <laughs> I just really didn't trust the yeah, Thunder's I offense enough. Yeah, I didn't trust the Thunder, and the Jazz were quite good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not I that mean, worried. Uh, I, I still think the Jazz have a good. Chance yeah, in this I think we do be see this. Be, yeah, we do yeah. see this every year. We're like the team in the regular season. We're like, how are they playing? Is like greater than the sum of their parts. Like. Ends up not doing as well in the playoffs. Yeah, they like, end up we playing like the sum of their parts in the playoffs. Yeah, not great. we see it a lot with actually and then the team with the stars just does yeah. terrific. Yeah, we see it actually a lot. Like I, this isn't meant to be a knock on Pop. This team's like overachieve in the regular season, and then once like every team like ratchets down on like what you do well. Like his teams just aren't athletic enough, or he doesn't have as many like. It's what happened in the Thunder's first series, KD's last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're like. They the Thunder were 
the worst team like all season. They're like twentieth ranked defense, but then they got like waiters and Russ to actually play like dependable defense. KD was like a top five world that series, like, and you can do that stuff in a series where guys who may can really like play to their strengths, neutralize one or two weaknesses the other team has. And the Thunder are definitely the more talented team on paper by decent margin. Oh yeah, yes. Definitely. Um, one thing I am. I don't know if I want to say worried, but Utah plays a very like egalitarian offense with like ball movement and like we'll find the open shot when it comes. And I just think that they should be running tons of pick and rolls at Mellow. Like oh, let yeah. Donovan Mitchell attack Mellow. Like the way you exploit Mellow is not to like I was talking about earlier. You can't just post up favors and be like, oh yeah, favors you get one on one and score on Mellow. Like that's the one you can kind of do is stand there and push back. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, go after him laterally, put Crowder in, like, make Crowder cut and run all around the court, make him set screens, like, make Melo switch yeah. onto anybody. Yeah, make him move around and make decisions yeah. on the defensive end. That's, like, how you, that's how you get him. Not, like, yeah. you, you don't just stand somebody there yep. and, like, back him down. So then that's not like, yeah. to really attack him. You got to get him moving and make decisions. Yeah. I think if you put Crowder in at the four more, and again, in and you run a lot of angles, Crowder pick and roll. I would be interested to see how the Thunder defend that because it's a like pick and roll, so the instinct would be to switch it. But I mean, Joe Ingles is an athlete, like an elite athlete, but he's like so crafty and he's such a good passer that, like, I think he would just crush Mello. Yeah, he would crush, like, he could, and Mello stands no chance against Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I think explain Mellow is their best chance as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah. that's not how they've played all year. So I j- I'm just wary of them, like, abandoning yeah. everything they do on offense without getting everyone involved in all the passes and ball screens and re-screens to, like, go after one player. It's just not the way they play basketball. Yeah. So yeah, I'm wary on if that. we'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Do we want to talk about the last game that we're going to – Yeah, dude. We talked make- about the Bucks having a rough loss like what a what a heartbreaking loss for minnesota yeah man like this was this was a game you have to win i can't oh man i guess we'll get into it here but like houston was so cold from three like this was the perfect game for them to steal and they just ah man wiggins and rose shooting jumpers instead of giving towns the ball at the end was just so frustrating to watch yeah yeah, that's a Towns had a pretty Towns had a pretty quiet night. <laughs> say, yeah, he had nine yeah. shot attempts, dude. Yeah, dude, I saw no. something that I saw on Twitter today. Somebody tweeted out he actually led the team in touches during the game. They did swarm him a lot. Oh, yeah, he's down low. Yeah, that's, but at the same time, like you, I mean, just let him. I get having him spot up and shoot threes is absolutely wasting him. Yeah, but if you're not going to like. If they're going to swarm him in the post, like, at least let him shoot jumpers. At least let him face up. Like, I'd rather have him shoot jumpers than Andrew Wiggins or Derek. Yeah. At Rose, least, let's be honest. At least right let now. him pick and pop with Jeff Teague. Like, run 1-5, pick and pop. And if they're going to switch it, then you have Chris Paul versus Towns. Like, that's great. And if not, then Towns is open for three. That's even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I see, like, the Timberwolves don't have a good creator. Yeah. Like, who's their best creator? Is it Jimmy Butler? Probably Jimmy Butler. 
Yes. Who, yeah. who ISOs 20% more than he should. <laughs> Not yes. to say Jimmy Butler is a fantastic like basketball player, but they're just stretches where he hijacks their offense. It is infuriating to watch. <laughs> no, yeah. Like but like Marshall said, this was this was a game that that the Timberwolves like if they were gonna steal one, like this had to be the one they were gonna steal. The Rockets shot twenty seven percent from three. Yeah. Like that's like Harden was that for 12 too so the rest of their team was three for 25 dude and they couldn't win the game no yep like james harden james harden was man that's heartbreaking james are 44 4 and 8 is like what like Uh, oh dude he played he played out his mind yeah clint capella with a 20 point first (laughs) half too yeah like yeah dude clint capella the the timberwolves adjusted halftime to like really take him out of like i mean they were just trying they tried to defend the pick and roll two on two clint capella goes which is what you have to do to beat the rockets clint capella got a ton Mm -hmm. of easy buckets and like fine we'll let them shoot threes and it worked because one of the best three-point shooting teams of all time wasn't making their threes but like it's it's not a reliable strategy yeah and if they were in a game this was their time to do it yeah i, I feel pretty good on my, my sweep pick because yeah i i just don't see houston shooting this poorly again yeah see this looks was expecting when i picked five i was like there's gonna be one game where houston just like doesn't shoot well and probably ideally in this game james Harden only goes like 35 but like, yeah, or Clint Capella doesn't get twenty points in the first half. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you're, if you're writing up a blueprint for how the, the Timberwolves are going to steal one, win. Yeah. James Harden, it's goes James Harden only gets thirty-five. Not, yeah. in that, not in that. It's game basically right. this game, but James Harden misses two, three more step back threes. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. But or Towns Talent is more like fifty than eight points. Yeah, or Towns yeah. is more than eight fuck points. Jesus. Yeah, that's the thing that like. I was, was shitting on Rose or whatever, but, like, in all honesty, for how down I am on Derrick Rose in general, he did not play that poorly. <laughs> yeah, he played fine. Yeah. Not defensively. Well. <laughs> this is all... In, <laughs> it's Derrick Rose. You know, it's all in relative terms. <laughs> relative relative, relative term. I mean, Relative to, to how I expect Derrick Rose. <laughs> Rose scored 16 points on 50% shooting. In 24 minutes, and he was a minus six. Yeah, this is like this has been like par for the Derrick Rose course for like the past yeah, season, but that's not bad. three seasons. It's like that's, he's like, come in and play 20 he minutes. Scores, and... He scores mid to high teens in points on like relatively like like decent field goal percentage, but it takes him like like 14 shots to score 16 points, which isn't all that great. And he's just horrid defensively and gives you nothing else besides those like seven buckets he gets you. And it's like, but yeah. but is he is the he their best score. bench player? <laughs> I mean, that's because guess what? Jamal mean? Crawford is the same exact guy. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, so, either way, Jamal Crawford's a better Hot passer. Hot take. Yeah, no, but it's like, but yeah, they're pretty. Jamal, Jamal Crawford's at least a little bigger. Yeah, but Jamal Crawford's also like legit fifty. So. Yeah, he's also <laughs> he's also like less willing to just hijack an offense. Yeah, that's also like, true. He doesn't have that like I'm still the MVP complex thing that yeah. Derrick Rose has. But like, right, this is probably the best game we'll see from Derrick Rose all like four games of the series, and he scored well, but he Seven. still didn't play well. Yeah, no, he's like, not. He's not. That's I mean, but this was his best game. Like, this is probably the best you can expect to get out of Derrick Rose at this point. Yes, I would you, say if you can get a relatively efficient like 15 or so points out of Derrick Rose, like that's like probably the best case scenario for Derrick Rose. 
Yeah. <laughs> game. Yeah, honestly. I mean, he's, he's, yeah. He's, That's he's why it's such a heartbreaking loss. Because yeah. everything was in play for them to steal a game, you know? Yeah. Their leading shot takers were Andrew Wiggins, Derrick Rose, and Jamal Crawford. I just vomited. Yeah. Dude, yeah. it... I, I saw you retweet that last night. God, Mark, yeah. That. Well, Jimmy Butler awful. actually tied Jamal Crawford with that, yeah. that air ball three at the end of the game, which yes. which was horrible. Like I get, oh, I get you have to take that or take a shot, but like he was spinning like the wrong way that you want to shoot a turnaround three. Like you kind of want to spin away from the hoop instead of like towards the hoop, and there was still four and a half seconds. Like I get being wary that like you can find a better shot in the last three seconds. But that's like a that's really like a twelve percent shot for Jimmy Butler optimistically. <laughs> oh, dude, that I'm sorry. That real quickly, that reminds me of that Tony Snell three that he shot when there was like still like seven oh, seconds left so on the clock. Yeah, off balance. His, his feet weren't that's set. Up. Yeah, that was so terrible. That whole he was that like, whole play at the, was just terrible. Yeah, Tony Snell was like, right there. Yeah. Tony Snell shooting a wide legged three is the most <laughs> fucks thing I've seen all season. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. Do we have do we have anything anything else we wanna we wanna talk about those first first uh, game ones for everybody? Uh, the, um, the the Heat did beat the Seventy Sixers. Yeah, that's official. I want to that, point that yeah. out. In game two. So that Spurs are keeping one. even with Golden State so far, yeah. but I don't expect that. To continue. Warriors are up two. Yeah. Games. They started Rudy Gay this game, which was an interesting. I, kinda, I actually kind of saw that coming because I feel like yeah, they need some they type need of other. To do it. Like I don't know, I feel like putting Kyle Anderson out there with them really wasn't the greatest thing yeah. against the Warriors. But mm-hmm. maybe that's how they yeah. still game. Is Rudy Gay just goes off? It doesn't it? They're gonna have a, the there's Marcus gonna be goes yeah, off. They, yeah, Rudy Gay podium game, and then they'll get a, they'll steal one. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Oh yeah, one more thing I want to say about the Rockets is they're gonna be fine when Luke Richard and Bob Mute comes back, but. I wouldn't feel great about the Rockets if they're they're tossing Gerald Green out there for twenty minutes a night, yeah. dude. If the Thunder, like even even if the J- Thunder Jazz win, that's going to be a very intriguing second round matchup. I feel like I don't know. I feel like Houston, like yeah, this is a hot take, but I don't know. I just feel like the thing about Golden State is if they're not hitting their shots defensively, they're good enough to stay in games. Where I don't think I don't feel the same way about Houston. And Houston's still good defensively, but. They're not, yeah, they're not the defensive they're team like Golden State, State is. They're not yeah. a shut-down defensive team. Yeah. And I feel like Houston's offense, if we were to pick an offense more likely to have an off night, like a healthy Golden State or a healthy Houston, is definitely a healthy Houston. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Because they're so reliant on James Harden. Yeah. I mean, like, I get that tonight is probably a game that the Rockets will have probably once a series, maybe twice. But, like... I don't know. I just really wouldn't expect that from a healthy Warriors team. Oh, like 100%. They, That's they why. Sh- yeah. The only way I could see the Rockets winning that series is if it's Curry is 100% by the time they play. You uh-huh. know? The thing that worries me most about Houston is, like, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Reza, Luke Richard, and Bob Mute, all about average three-point shooters on, like, decent volume, but they weren't really great shooters, like, until they got under D'Antoni. So I don't know if that holds up in playoffs where, like, there's more pressure on you, like, I don't know, we've seen guys who, like, aren't great shooters, like, regress heavily in playoff series where there's, like, more pressure on them to shoot instead of just being, like, a random night in the regular season. 
or like more defensive pressure on them instead of just like being left completely alone. I am kind of worried about that with Houston going forward. Yeah. 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 But, uh, all right. Do we have anything else about any of the other games? Anything else we want to mention? We good? All right. Well, uh, this was the Deceptively <laughs> Athletic Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, for Mark Joukowsky, Marshall Hartman, and Greg Svanik, I'm Tony Romanello. Peace. 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 Deuces. Bossman, what was that? Did you, like, whisper? Peace. <laughs> <laughs> nah, my, my speaker was far away. <laughs>